Mercy is a difficult concept for us. In practical circumstances, we either take mercy for granted or we don't think mercy is possible. How easy is it for us, especially in intimate relationships, to just think, well, that person will forgive me. They know that I'm broken in this way. Or how often, and I am the first among sinners in this regard, do I think to myself, well, if I do this certain thing, I know God will forgive me for it, so I'll just go ahead and do it and then go to confession. We take mercy for granted because when people genuinely love us, they give it so freely. I think of all the the myriad times my mother and my father have had to forgive me for all of the silly things I have done in my life. And sometimes it's easy for me to take it for granted in that relationship. And other times, we don't think mercy is even possible because of the weight of our sins or the gravity of the impact on the relationship. We think there's no way that this person could possibly forgive me. There's no way that God could forgive me for all of the things that I've done in my own life. And in both instances, we fail to see what mercy truly is. It is a gratuitous act. It is never easy to give or to seek mercy. How is mercy poured out upon the church but from the cross? And yet, what does Jesus do in the upper room in the Gospel of John on Easter Sunday? He comes before the apostles, those who have abandoned Him in His hour of need, who have turned their back and rejected Him. And what is the first thing that He says to them? Peace. In Hebrew, shalom. And that's a word that's given to only those who are on the same level. You would never say shalom. You would never say peace to a debtor, to someone who owes you something. And yet, on Easter, the first thing that Jesus offers to the church is peace, is mercy. He raises us up by lowering himself and drawing us up to himself. Mercy is such a powerful and wonderful thing, but it is always gratuitous. It is always a gift. Therefore, we who are called not only to seek the mercy that comes from God, but to give mercy to the world, must put this into practice repeatedly. We must constantly be seeking and giving mercy. The Christian life, the essence of the Christian life, is mercy. With God and seeking that, and with each other. This is why when Jesus in the gospel is asked by St. Peter, St. Peter thinking seven is is an exorbitant number of times, Jesus says, that's not even close. Because you must become mercy. It's not enough for us in our relationship to say, I forgive you. We must get to that level of peace, of shalom, where we are back on the same level. Now, the effects of sin are real. For instance, if someone were to steal from me, I would not necessarily trust them right away with my money. But I would give them forgiveness. I would pray for them. And eventually, God would give us that gift. And that's another thing we have to remember. Mercy is a gift that comes from God. You and I are absolutely incapable of giving mercy to another person because we are broken by sin. The only way we can restore peace to our relationships 
is through the grace that comes from God. And so those people in your life who have hurt you the most are in fact the people you must pray for the most. And that's a hard truth. I know in my own life, there's one particular instance where I was deeply wounded and hurt. And I remember going to my spiritual director and explaining the situation, and he looked at me and he smiled and he said, well, Pat, you've got the next six, to, six months to a year laid out for you. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to right this wrong? He said, you're going to pray for these people more than anyone else in your life. And until God gives you the grace of mercy, until God gives you the grace to forgive them, you're going to pray for them as if your very soul depends on it because it does. And that was a bitter, bitter pill to swallow in that, in that moment. Because I was hurt. Because I was reeling. And yet, it was, there's not one moment where I just, it all came together. But there was a gradual softening of my heart that came about, not through my own work, but through going to God repeatedly and asking for His grace, for His mercy, for the ability to forgive. Had I said that I forgive them? Absolutely. But it took my heart a long time to come around to that reality. Because here's the reality, brothers and sisters. Until we forgive, as we heard in the book of Sirach, we are slaves to our hatreds, to our vengeances, to our own sins and to the sins of others. They're like millstones wrapped around our neck. They keep us from moving freely and of being disciples. They keep us bound to the things of this world. When we don't seek mercy from God, we are slaves to our sin, we are slaves to our body, we are slaves to others. But when we seek the mercy of God, we are free. When we fail to give mercy in our relationships with each other, we are slaves. Because what's fueling us? Not love, but spite or anger or pain. And the Lord has come to set us free. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And our life is limited. Our abundance is severely limited when we fail to give and to seek mercy with each other. And so we must start with this beautiful reality. We heard it in the letter to St. Paul to the Romans. You are the Lord's. You have been won at a price. All of this is possible. Not because of our innate goodness and our ability to just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but by the love poured out on the church from the cross. Where Jesus comes to each of us every time we seek mercy, as he did to the early church in that upper room, and offers us peace, offers us freedom, offers us hope. In the gospel today, this is where it's important for us to have at least a basic understanding of Greek in the gospel today, the translation is awful, just awful. We heard that the debtor owed a huge amount. What a horrible translation that is. Because what did the debtor owe? In the Greek, he owed 10,000 talents. Now a talent, remember in the gospel where the, the owner gives three talents, two talents, one talent? That's an exorbitant amount. A talent was considered about 6,000 denarii. A denarius was what you got for one day's wage. Now let's say someone makes $12, or excuse me, $15 an hour. Let's say someone makes $15 an hour and works five days a week. 10,000 talents is $7 billion. That's how much this man owes his master, his king. $7 billion. Now, I didn't go to the Kelly School of Business. I didn't go to any school of business. So if Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or Bill Gates gave me power over their estate, I would probably lose them $7 billion. And guess what? 
they'd fire me. Or, or probably, they'd have an investigation started into my malfeasance. That's the human response. There's no way I could pay that back. But what does the king do in the gospel? You owe a way, an amount of money that is incomprehensible to anyone at any time, and yet you're forgiven. And not only are you forgiven, but you can keep your job. That's the mercy that God has for us. It's totally discordant with the way we work in this world. And why does he do that to us? So that we can also be mercy to each other. Because the people in your life, especially the people who don't know the Lord, they will only know the Lord through the mercy you show them. Because this man who has forgiven a billion seven billion dollars worth of, of malfeasance, worth of waste, worth of squandering, what does the other guy owe him? A hundred days wages. He owes 60 million days wages and is forgiven. And how often does this happen in our own life? We fail to seek mercy and to be healed for the grave injustices we do against our neighbor and against God. And therefore what happens? We, tr we treat each other as if we're dirt, as if we're less than. And Jesus is so clear in the gospel today. God is merciful with you. You must be merciful with each other. How much better would our world be if instead of blaming each other, if instead of casting doubt or aspersions, if every time we messed up, as we heard last week, we challenged each other, we encouraged each other, we corrected each other, and if we sought forgiveness. And that starts right here in our relationships with one another. It starts at home. What are those things that you're holding on to against your spouse, against your children, against your parents? Invite mercy into that. Ask God to free you from that. What are those sins that are weighing deeply on your soul? Come to confession and let God free you from those burdens. Brothers and sisters, I just want to say this. I say it often. If you go to confession every month for the next year, your life will change irrevocably. Because God's mercy is so grand. And yet we are afraid of it. But he comes to us, he says, I've already paid the price. I desire to give you mercy so that you might be free. Pope Francis said this so beautifully shortly after he was uh, elected and installed as our Holy Father. God's mercy can make even the driest land become a garden, can restore life to dry bones. Let us be renewed by God's mercy. Let us be loved by Jesus. Let us enable the power of his love to transform our lives too, and let us become agents of his mercy, channels through which God can water the earth, protect all creation, and make justice and peace flourish.